0: Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and
1: normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction: hope.
0: It's hard not to dance, isn't
2: it? That's good stuff. Did you play that?
0: I, no, I did not. <laughs> we no, we, uh, we pay do. we pay homage to Freakonomics podcast. Absolutely, <laughs> but they're they're awesome intro That's music. Good stuff. All right, everybody. I'm Drew hassan
1: I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the
0: Recovery Lab. This is episode number seventy. 70 Yep. Last week, we had 69, (laughs) and we said giggity about a thousand times. All right, everybody, we're joined today by Kirby Wilson. Kirby, thank you, brother. It's
2: good to be here. It's good to see you. It's It's good good to see you, you. and it's good to see Daniel, too. So, yeah, anything we can do to help raise awareness in in the recovery community. Raise awareness. For the community, so.
1: All right, good. we're good. Yeah. You shifted a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, no, you get shift over to your left just a little bit. There you go. Now you're center frame. There you go. All right. Not
0: used
2: to these get the
1: cameras.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm hunched over a little bit that the guy who has the podcast before me brings a, a lumbar
1: <laughs>
0: and and I keep thinking I need to bring one. I just don't feel like it's right. So, is go. this good? Yeah, you're good. Yeah. All right. There you go. There
1: now. Yeah. Don't move. Don't. Okay. Well, right. move to your left about an inch. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. You sound great. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Anyway, so, let, yeah. let's focus on the task at hand. Let's do it, Kirby. Good morning.
1: Mm-hmm. How you doing?
2: Good
0: morning.
1: I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. Daniel, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Woke up. Woke up sober. I mean, absolutely. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> was,
2: you know, on the, on the coming up here was uh, noticing the, some of the hotels, you know, coming up this way and have thought to myself, how many, I wonder how many people are there under the wrong terms. Probably all of them. Yeah, wrong, the vast majority, 100%. The vast majority. <laughs> you know, and a lot of them are waking up not knowing or coming to whatever it is. Like watching the sun come up, how did I get here again? What is this all about? What, you know, oh my God, if they even have gotten to that point yet. So. Thank goodness we're not there. Look, you know,
0: when I first came back to Jackson, when I got sober this time, I was living in Oxford house. And I, the first couple of times I drove by like, you know, at 55 <laughs> and saw the string of motels. Mm-hmm. Like I had to, I had to call my sponsor and talk about it.
2: Yeah, I
1: can like put a funk on me. I've done the same thing. Yeah, there's there's something to be said about the the especially there at the end of the end of my run with my relationship with hotels and scandalous activities. And, (laughs) you know, it's it's difficult to drive by a shady motel and not have a little bit of gratitude these days, you know, I mean, all sorts of. All sorts of things. all sorts of fun was had there, oh if you could call
2: it what that. you call fun now, <laughs> and what was fun then certainly is by far you know no comparison. To Absolutely, me.
0: they're all disgusting, <laughs> and and people are there owing to poor decisions. Yeah, how do I know? Yeah. Because I made poor decisions and yep. I was there,
2: right? Yeah, you know, it didn't even feel like it was me making those decisions. You know, it was just something that was. I had no other choice, really, except to be in that environment. A compulsion. It's just the compulsion, the act, whatever, it, whatever, you know, just not to have to live in reality anymore. That's exactly and right. And do that. So, so, thank goodness. But, well, you look, know, yeah. hopefully, if that is the, the scenario of some people there th- this morning, let's pray that they can find some uh, solution or some help absolutely
0: well said and if you're stuck in a motel somewhere there's a way out right and all is not lost and you are worth the effort of doing whatever it takes to get out of there absolutely and I've seen this proven too many times that the god of the universe whatever shape form or fashion that God may take is is there to help you out of your God, quagmire. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And also you don't have to believe necessarily in God in order to get sober. You know, that's the, the spirit of the universe. Yeah. I mean, it, your higher power can be absolutely anything. It can be the group. It can be a doorknob. It can be whatever you want. And that's one of the things that I love about the 12 steps is you're not, you know, when I was coming into treatment, you know, I've always believed in God. I always thought that that, you know, that there was that God was real and, and, you know, I certainly stepped away from him, but I always there was never a moment where I was like, "I don't believe in this." Well, maybe, but I deep down in my heart, I always knew that there's something. And what I've what I've learned over the twenty years that I've been in and out of of the the program is oftentimes many people when they are coming in off of a run or have been act you know in active addiction for twenty thirty years, and you sit there and say, "Hey, you need to you need to believe in God, and you need to." you know, point your finger, you must believe in God. Those people oftentimes would have turned the other way and and many of them would have died had we not been open about, look, you don't have to believe in our God. You don't have to believe in anything. We're we are here for you unconditionally. One of my clients was talking about he had a sponsee that was, you know, he 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 said that, you know, he on the front end, he was like, you know, I practice witchcraft. Does that disqualify me? You don't want to work with me, do you? And the guy was like, "No, actually, I, that I I really don't care. I like, do not care. We'll, we'll still work the twelve steps, and did, and you know the rest is history. But you know that's what's what I love about the program is we we wrap our our hands around anyone and everyone. You don't have to believe in what we believe in. I, I think the daily reflections yesterday or today <clears throat> said. Those who
2: have maybe believed in God or a higher power and have lost that connection find it harder to reconnect than those who have never had it at all. Absolutely. And I can truly, I can see that. I can testify to that. That growing up, having a, you know, going to church, believing in God, being, you know, talking about it at home, saying the, saying prayers before you go to sleep at night and thinking, you know, prayers. When you have meals and stuff, you know, believing in 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 God growing up, and then, you know, rolling off into alcoholism and addiction, and just believing, oh my God, there is nothing else. There's no power greater than myself that can get me out of this or anything else. Right. So reconnecting with that power, as we talk about in the program, you know, a power that you believe in, something that you can connect to is can change your, change your life. Absolutely. Find it. Yeah,
1: absolutely can. Yeah. finding a higher power you can do business with is right. the most powerful thing that can happen to a person.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the sad truth is that, you know, at organized religion uses the cudgel of fear and shame largely to, to get you in line. If you, you know, here are the rules. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to believe. And if you don't do those things or don't believe this way, Th- then you go to hell, and I mean that's the motivating factor largely is you know staying out of hell for yep. all eternity, and we carry that fear and that shame response into our adulthood, and then all of a sudden we're in a recovery program that at least makes mention of God, and all of a sudden it's you know mm-hmm. i I want to reject that, right I have these issues from my childhood or. Whatever it is that we've dragged with us into,
2: yeah. If you have that that fire, brimstone, go to hell mentality, that's tough. That's tough. And then you go, and if you're in an addiction, and you get to a place where you can say to yourself, "I'm I'm going to hell anyway, so what is the point? Right? Why even try to do something different? It's a dark place to be in. It's a dark place. It's real sinister to believe that stuff, and you know it's. I've seen that other people have, when they get into that spot, they just want to do more and more and more. And the further they get down to where they just can't, they don't believe that anything's going to help them. Or why do it now?
0: I think that's the single largest obstacle for those in early recovery. And I I believe this to be true. I've tested it and proved it in my own life is in the very beginning we seem to double down on our misery Mm. because even though it's poisonous using and even though it's self-sabotaging using, it's familiar to us Mm -hmm. and comfortable. Even there is a known product that you're buying when you use drugs. Like I know what's about to happen and that there's a comfortable paradoxically is somehow more favorable than the alternative, which I believe is because we are completely devoid of hope and completely devoid of any belief that things may improve. Because if you really thought, hey, all I gotta do is get sober and my life's gonna get better, everybody gets sober. Right. You get sober the first time, it'd be one and done for <laughs> everybody. And somehow we trick ourselves into believing there's just no use. It's not going to be different. It's not going to be better. I'm going to be damned. So why bother?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, our disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And those are three simple words that, you know, they're not messing around. Like this disease, it's not just like, oh, it'll make you uncomfortable. No, like this disease will kill you. It will kill you. It doesn't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a priest, it doesn't matter. It doesn't discriminate. It'll kill you. No, and it's it, even in my own journey through recovery,
2: it's not been a one-stop shop and I got it and that was it. And I was like, oh, you know, it's been trial and error for me in some instances where my emotional state's been tested and, and I failed the test, you know? And, but the recovery side of it, it always works, you know, it does. And the substances will stop working at some point. I, I, I would caution against, and,
0: and this is something I've had to learn in my own life, is this very binary thinking about sober. What is failure in recovery and coming back to recovery, coming back to the program, renewing my my faith practice or renewing my recovery practice? That's the real success. Something I had to learn from a Keenan wall, a therapist in Columbus, loved the guy, and he he kind of introduced me to this idea of trying not to be quite so fatalistic in my determinations about when i've messed up or right. not. you know that if I can come back that's success, you know as long as i don 't die, I guess I've got another shot yep. right so the the trick is we just don't know the especially trick is with, we
1: just don't know. especially with today 's drugs I mean, if I were still in active addiction and mm you know, eating meth and snorting meth and, you know, smoking meth and and anything else I can get my hands on, there's not a question in my mind that I would be dead today with the the, the prevalence of, of fentanyl. I mean, fentanyl's in everything. There's there's no chance that I would be alive today if it if I were still an active addiction. I believe that
0: the risk is there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think, and greater. I think about those I don't know, this has been on the news, the three guys that died at the <clears throat> Watching the Kansas City Chiefs game at what, what, friends' me, I've seen some of that. What happened to them? So they went over. I think it was on a Sunday to watch a game, and there three of them ended up passing away outside. Apparently, what it seemed to have been they froze to death is what it looked like. But toxicology has come back that it that may not have been the case. So more will be revealed on whatever what happened to them. But I. You know, we talk about things being laced with stuff these days. And I just don't know if that had something to do with it. Because you don't know what you're getting. No, Even with weed. Even with weed. And especially with the fentanyl. And we've had laws passed here in Mississippi, you know, regarding fentanyl, you know, kids doing drugs and things like that. And marijuana being a gateway drug. So you don't ever know what it is. What's in it anymore. So but that's an interesting case drew because the guy that lived in the house i think he rented the house the the main person who is alive today has checked into you know to get treatment to go into a into treatment center so and I, that may have been part of his legal strategy you would know more about that
0: the toxicology reports suggest that there were several substances substances found so
2: you never know what you're getting
0: you don't, it's, you really don't. Nothing
2: it, is clean cut <laughs>
0: anymore. No, and, and as Christina Dent, who was on a couple of weeks ago, shared with us, you know, it's, it's fentanyl now. And then in a couple of years, it's going to be, I don't remember those other drugs. I forget drugs, what that, something, the xylazine was one of them that she mentioned. And, yeah. and I've got a war story about it that we don't need to share today. But <laughs> so I, I can remember the name of that one, but there were some other classes of drugs that she shared about that are that are out there that are coming that are equally as deleterious to our health as, as fentanyl and you know it's just kind of cyclic yeah so i mean there's never a shortage of bad things out there
2: oh yeah yeah as much as we have you know like dea and agencies that crack down on drugs it just seems they get smarter and smarter not the dea but like drug dealers and and people who transport it and stuff they just either get smarter or i don't know if they get smarter or they get dumber i don't know but it just seems there's never a shortage of anything
1: no nor will there uh, ever be yeah.
0: <laughs> you know she she likens it to she describes the black markets of alcohol during prohibition oh. and she said when and i never thought of it like this but whenever something is pro- is is prohibited then the strength of what is then smuggled all by necessity become stronger. And she said, think of a football stadium that does not allow alcohol. And she said, what you're going to end up with is people that drink beer outside the stadium, but smuggle liquor in to the stadium. Right. Because I can have smaller amounts of it and it's more potent
1: and more you get potent. drunk. Yeah.
0: And I thought that makes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about Freakonomics. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's it right there. Mm-hmm. Right. So as things become prohibited, you're going to see an increase in more potent drugs that are then desirable because you the risk is reduced when you only need a little bit of it absolutely well look share share with us some of the things that you've learned along the way yeah in your recovery practice
2: um, yeah i came into recovery in 2008 that's when i understood and figured out that i needed some help and that I could stop, but I couldn't stop starting, you know? Yes. And uh, yeah, well said. <laughs> yes. And I, I went, went to my folks and I said, I think I just need, I think I need a little vacation. I think I need some help. And I really did was serious about going somewhere to get some help. And I went to, I did go to a facility to get some help, get detox and and do that cuz i just couldn't stop it and and that worked that's where i was introduced to the program of aa and what i've learned is that it's a journey you know and i've uncovered a lot of emotional stuff that i had not dealt with from you know childhood or whatever and learned how to tell the truth if you know and be honest about where I am and what I'm doing. And the journey is quite revealing. I've heard in the rooms and, and meetings about peeling an onion. You know, the more you peel, the more stuff you uncover. That's just exactly the way it is. And what I enjoy most is the, the fellowship and meeting people in the program and getting to watch people's journeys along the way.
0: Look, I think that's something really interesting that you, you you pointed out. How it really is a journey. Yep. And one of the tools that I've learned is to extract joy from the journey, as yep. opposed to extracting joy from see from a destination. Because even if you if you close your eyes and and try to think of the people that you're around that are in your orbit that are doing the thing, they're living the program and they're having the fruits of the rewards of it. They seem to be at peace. They're happy. They don't seem to have bad days. They've been at it for a minute and they've kind of gotten all their ducks in a row. Well, they're also on a journey. They're on a journey to maintain doing those things that got them there. You know, we seem to forget that we seem to, to fool ourselves into thinking that, oh man, if I just had his life, then I wouldn't have any more problems. And the truth is that guy doesn't have many problems in his life because he's consistent in doing those things that he needs to do. Like he, after he achieved peace and serenity and calm <laughs> and doesn't create, you know, after he achieved having no storms in his life, then he continued to do those things afterwards. Right. Right. And that's how we main – and so there's there's something about extracting joy and pride in knowing that we're on the healthy journey, not not trying to extract joy and pride only from having no problems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's never going to be a point where I arrive in my sobriety. Yes. Ever. Yeah. And, and I am completely okay with that. It is all about the journey. It's all about – and and even the, the difficult struggles that that come up in life. Okay, are you going to – are, are you going to retreat into self-loathing and self-hatred and and self-sabotage, or are you going to say, okay, this is a difficult situation. What do I need to learn, and how can I grow from this? And that takes practice. That takes a tremendous amount of practice, just and, and intentionality. To do. Right. Absolutely. It's not just something that happens. I mean, I've I've been working on that for a very very long time, and I'm finally getting to a point where I can. I, I can run to adversity with compassion and love for myself instead of shame, guilt, remorse, self-loathing, and self-hatred. Jimmy T
2: central group would say alcoholics or addicts will find something that works and they'll quit doing it. Uh, right? yeah. <laughs> and that is, that sounds like something he'd seen it so many times. I've experienced that in my own life. You know, I get to a place where, Oh my God, everything's great. You know, wonderful. And, and you want to say, I can just do that one more time or certainly one's not going to hurt. That's a bad mentality to have, you know, that, that powerlessness over that first drink or first, whatever it is. And then quit going to the meetings, quit socializing with people and thinking that the program or whatever that is not, cannot help you. Yes. You know, cause you can, I can get there. They won't understand this problem that I'm going through. No one's going to know what I'm talking about, or I'm going to have to deal with this entirely on my own. And then the fear comes up, self-loathing, the, what Daniel was talking about,
0: terminal uniqueness. Yeah, nobody has suffered like I'm
1: suffering. <laughs> yeah, I got rid of that 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 right. uh, thought process. When I got sober this time, I, it, 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 I mean, doesn't, it's the it doesn't. It epi- doesn't serve me. It's the <laughs> apex of grandiosity. It's <laughs> ego, man. Yes. Yeah. So-
0: the world has never seen problems <laughs> like mine. And
2: Shut the b- up! Really? Up! <laughs> right. and, and God forbid, I'm going to come back into a room <laughs> of people who are the judgiest people in the world, and go, "I have gone back out, or I've relapsed, or something," and you know, admit that to them so they can sit there and judge me. My ego is so hard fast on that.
1: Absolutely. There is nothing that has ever happened in this world to someone that they did not push through and stay sober. So there's literally nothing that could happen in my life that someone else hasn't gone through in sobriety and walked through with dignity and grace. And, and, and when someone else comes, when someone does
2: come in or something like that, you know, when we hear those stories, the love that we have for them, there's just such compassion. A, it's compassion and it's a little bit of relief that I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's not me today, but at any given time, that
1: could be me. Oh, I'm just one wrong yeah. decision from
2: one bad decision. Yeah. One fib <laughs> away from something triggering all that stuff and starting that cycle. It's awful, awful. It is an awful feeling because really and truly
0: we are only like we, this may have been before we started recording because you're going to have a bad day. Absolutely. And then you may even have a couple bad days. And the worst thing that can happen is that you bump into the wrong person at the wrong time. And you know, you're without that mental, def- spiritual defense, mental, yeah. Yeah. spiritual defense okay. and boom, yep, you know, we're, we're, we all have clay feet, I think is how I heard it when I first came in. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all have clay feet, and we try to stave off disaster by adherence to a practice that
2: has worked for us. Yeah. And, man. I'm going to tell you, a trigger that used to be, and it's it's come back to ego, is when someone else says, someone that you used to date or go out with, somebody be like, you know, they're dating somebody else. I saw them with so-and-so, and they're out having, you know, a great, that would be a trigger for, for me, because my ego couldn't handle that scenario.
0: That's Kirby's uh, Achilles heel. Could be. Yeah.
2: It's, whoa, whoa, is me, you know? Yeah. You know, and. Well, and it speaks, it, it speaks to it, this. It uh, happened yesterday. Oh, it did. Oh, it did. Somebody brought up that, that yesterday. And, and I shared it with somebody. I, I called somebody immediately after all that happened. And I was like, you know, this in the past would have triggered something. And today I can tell you, it doesn't, I don't know if that's me changing or what it, what it is, but actually happy for them is if that's what they're going through, you know, Lord, let them, thank God, let them be, let them be happy. Let everybody be happy and everything. Well, I think that's, that's the, the
0: miracle of the program Yeah, is that we can behave and we, we can have a reaction that is not good. We can be whatever. Yep. And then we can have that pointed out to us and then we can learn in the future when it happens again, because those feelings are going to come back. Something's going to trigger it and we can have a healthy response to it. And I think as much as I've been harping on lately about tracking our, our positives and reminding ourselves of the good things that we've done, that would be, that'd be something I'd be proud
2: of. Yeah. That, the emotional maturity that we talk about in in meetings and stuff that we kind of stop growing emotionally when we get involved with alcohol or whatever, or drugs or whatever it is, we just stop growing. And so learning how to deal with those emotions and those feelings, maybe something I never had to, I never dealt with, you know, I never matured when it came to that aspect of things. And the ego is just crazy anyway. So being able to grow through the journey of, Alcoholics Anonymous and the whole recovery process. Well, That's then, what it's about.
0: And then you do what you're doing today. You <laughs> you have found something profitable in your past poor decisions. Yep. And here you are taking a risk being on our podcast that goes out to the
1: English-speaking world. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, We've got 9,700 9, people watching right now. Well, it is. is awesome.
0: and, and so... You know, I mean, that is the mandate we all have. We found a way out. We had a program given to us that'll help us get into recovery. And then we've, we try to help the next man. There could be somebody out there who is reeling with ego problems, whose ex is moved on. And
2: now they're they're And they're feeling that Yeah. sitting at home, just stewing Stewing. in it, stewing in it, stewing in it. And I know that feeling. It's absolutely uh, reasonable to feel that way sure that that you can get past it though. I mean, it is possible, but you know, part of this responsibility of being in this program is to pass on what has been so freely given to me, freely given freely. And every day it's freely given to me. It is accessible. And you guys are doing, I guess the Lord's work by passing this on through this environment and, you know, this is technology. This is where things are moving and where things have evolved into. If you think back into the 1930s when the program first came around, they had a book, you know, that was, what, mailed to people? And they had to read stories in the back. And they didn't know when they were going to see another alcoholic or, or somebody in recovery. They had no idea. It would have to be tougher back then. Oh, my god! Oh, yeah. I mean – we should be grateful that we don't didn't have to get sober in the Absolutely. Or go to a phone booth, you know, to call and find out, can I help somebody? Man, we have got <laughs> we have got stuff at our fingertips. At your ready fingertips. Every day to help somebody or be of service. And that's another aspect of all of, of this program is being of service that I have found in my own recovery that helps me the most is just being of service to Either a home group or a group and other members of a of the community. So absolutely. Well, I can tell you
0: how you have helped me. You can always count on Kirby to welcome you with a <laughs> warm smile. I'm serious. You mm.
2: always have a We've known each other, I don't know, since I for, mean at least ten years. Yeah, for a minute. For at least and
0: ten years. You I've never seen you being asked to somebody and you're always <laughs> pleasant and that people count on that. I think that people forget just how beneficial consistency is, not just in your own life, but
2: for those around you. And so I I thank you for that. Thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure knowing you. And even if we don't see each other for long periods of time, there's always that when we see each other, it's like, yeah, I'm happy to see you. Yeah. I feel like you're happy to see me too. (laughs) and it's genuine it's not yeah. a fake you know process so
0: and that's part of the commu- sense of community that that a 12 step program yeah. or whatever it is that you're that you want 12 steps celebrate recovery we're we're here for all of it oh yeah that sense of community yep. that you can get in church or at your wiccan circle or whatever it is that you're <laughs> that's your thing the sense of community is important it's a yeah. very
1: important component to your recovery. I mean, after all the opposite of addiction is connection. You know, we all need some way, some place to be able to connect with other people. And if Alcoholics Anonymous, is that for you? Great. If Narcotics yeah. Anonymous, is that for you? Sure. Or CA, what, whatever, celebrate recovery, whatever, you know, smart recovery, smart recovery, whatever. It doesn't matter. Any, any path to recovery is a, is a path that recovery lab supports. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good,
2: man. It's good. It's good to reach out to people and let them know that there is an option for you other than waking up or coming to or having to do the same thing every day. That's that's not working for you anymore. And that's well, not, and there is yeah, hope. There is it. hope. Yeah. There
0: is a way out. And I don't think that and that single message gets. Cause at its core, I feel like that is the one thing that keeps people from getting sober is they don't feel that hope and they're resigned to a life that, you know, where drug and alcohol use is the, the optimal choice. And there is a better way. Yeah. And being there and being part of the community and having people that hold you accountable and that are there to inspire you and are there to lift you up during the tough times. I mean, that, I think that's the most important component to, to go into meetings and to being an inter, being an integral part
2: of, of the, the community, of the community. Yeah. Passing Absolutely. So Daniel, what was the last thing for you? What was the final, you just had enough and said, I need to uh, do that again. And
1: I'm super effective at hitting walls and, getting to a point where i just don't have any other choices i i i did the whole you know get sober for the marriage get sober for the kid i tried all of that and and again would hit my head against the wall time and time again and and ultimately it was me arriving at a i had a a rental house that i was renting right down the house from my son and ex-wife and there was like a little backyard area and at this point I had, I had been in and out of the rooms for 17 years, 18 years, yeah. a few times I've had some, you know, two years sober and relapse, maybe two and a half years sober relapse. Uh, but I was still holding on to some sexual stuff from my past that I really wasn't, really wasn't willing to take a look at at all. And, and that, that kept me sick. So where, where I wound up was sitting behind this rental house completely alone, a house, you know, completely empty and void of, of any connection or love whatsoever, and that's all due to my own poor life choices, and the the options for me were, were very clear, very clear. It was take a gun and end it, or be willing to take suggestions and be willing to let God work in my life and me stop trying to do things my way my way got me where i was sitting right there that night and so i was too much of a chicken to to you know off myself and so i i called my my sponsor that i had, had and and i said you know i i think i'm ready i think i'm ready and and another thing that happened for me that was monumental in in this moment and this time frame in my life was i i hopped back into my therapy My therapist Zach, I I reached out to him and was like, bro, I really, really need to, really, really need to talk to you. And and I went into his office and I was just bawling, just bawling, just snot coming out of my nose. Just (laughs) I was so tense and so wound up. And I had a gun in my car and and I had made a decision that I if I don't hear something that I'm going to drive to the reservoir where I proposed to my wife and I'm going to shoot myself. That was my plan. And I walked in and I I laid it all, all, all on the line for Zach. And I was like, you know, again, just bawling and crying like a little schoolgirl. School and 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 he looked at me with the most calm demeanor and and no expression on his face. And all he said was, I can help you with that. Mm. I can help you with that. And it was like a a million pounds were lifted off my chest, and I was able to exhale for just a second for the first time in a long time and The rest was history i I started working the steps again, but the the most important aspect of that was I was finally willing to address every issue that was in my life, including the sexual misconducts that I had had in my past. And that was the key to to my sobriety and my success in recovery. Was uh, I was I was willing to take a look and process every aspect of my life, and I feel like God kind of recognized that that willingness as well, and kind of took me by the hand and said, "Okay, I think you're ready. Let's get this going," and and and, and the rest is history. But it, it took a it took me hitting the wall and becoming willing to address every aspect of, of my life in my past process, it being willing to process that. And it was at that moment that I was willing and that I was able to achieve some, some sort of, I'd had sobriety before, but I was always running for myself. And this time I was willing to not run for myself about the, the past issues that I had. And I've, I've had a string of, of pretty great 24 hours. It's not always rainbows and sunshine, but it's it's a hell of a lot better than it was that night when I was sitting behind my house, and actually, it wasn't my house. My dad was paying for it. I, I I owned nothing, you know, and that's that's where my addiction took me. And God and and other people, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, they they I crawled back in. They they gave me a big hug. They said, "We love you. Keep coming back. We're glad you're here." And nobody else in the world would was ever going to say, we love you and keep coming back other than those people. Even I, you know, I tried church and, you know, you start talking about, you know, I, I really, you know, I ate some meth and, and I really, you know, I want to do it some more. You know, I, I got, I got weird looks when I said that in small groups. So for me, Alcoholics Anonymous was the solution. That's where I gained my, my, my beginning. And that's, that's where I took my first breath, honestly was, was in the rooms. Now that's not to say, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready when I tried faith-based. I wasn't, I didn't try any other programs and, you know, because I wasn't ready when I tried faith-based programs, that's why they didn't work because I wasn't ready to quit digging. I was ready to quit digging when Alcoholics Anonymous was in the forefront of my mind. And so that's the path that I took, but that's, that's not to say that I don't support faith-based celebrate recovery, any other avenue to recovery. Like I said before, any 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 program, anything that brings you to long term sobriety, man, it's worth it. We we here at the Recovery Lab, we're we're all about that. We're always gonna love you. So,
0: let me share with you
1: a story that has
0: been so impactful. Like I saw this happen in real life. So, dear listener, as you can see, like behind Daniel. There is, you know, it says recovery lab, and then if somebody is sitting in that chair, there's a green screen back there. So, and there's one behind Daniel. So I saw this happen a couple weeks ago, and it's such an it's made such an impact on me that I've shared it not only with my wife, and we'll share it again on today's episode. So Daniel was in here, like a put yourself in this position. You spend money and an entire day trying to fix something. That does not ultimately work in your. I thought it was fine, but he was having to come apart about it. Mm. Fixing these green screens, installing blue screens. They were, they, they yeah. installed the blue screens that are supposed to be superior, only to have you know that endeavor be a failure. And so I was here the next day getting ready for an episode, and he's caterwauling about the <laughs> the blue screens, and you know, and then. So he stands up and he's complaining about it and he he seizes that negative self-talk. And then, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but he rattled off a couple lessons he could learn from having done the blue screen thing. And I thought, there it is. There is the miracle of being intentional about finding something profitable out of our, I won't even call it a mistake, but just out of our what a mistake to use the blue screens.
1: They but looked good, though. They, they they looked
0: good, but they didn't work. It didn't work well. So, <laughs> to, you know, I'm, I was reminded, and I had a, a beautiful, you know, had beautiful evidence mm-hmm. right in front of me of how I can choose to think only about the bad, or I can choose to find something good about it and use it to my benefit going forward. And we are every day – Face with choices, and we can either choose to be miserable and complain, or we can choose to learn from it and can and can can move forward accordingly. And so, in just a couple short years, I mean, there he goes from, you know, wanting to to commit
2: Mm -hmm. suicide,
0: suicide to forcing himself to think of something beneficial from having lost a day of labor and. I shouldn't even say lost a day of labor because no, he, he gained, still he, he gained experience in the installation of green screens and blue screens and all that. So I, I applaud you for that. Oh, thanks, man. I wanted to brag on you in front Thank of people.
2: You. It is good. It, it does look good. Thanks, man. I have no confidence. <laughs> a lot of stuff. work in
0: here. P- pivot the camera to you <laughs> so everybody can see. There it is. Recovery
1: lab yeah, going hard. Looks, that looks better up there. <laughs> and, and you got to forgive the… So the reason that the recovery lab is not larger today is because when I clip it out, it clips. So it's just lab on the clips. So we're, we're trying something a little bit different. So when I clip this out this afternoon, So if you're watching this this on some real on YouTube, this was for your benefit. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) You are better because of Daniel's labor.
1: (laughs) Oh, goodness! full source today.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Daniel talked about the, 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 and I'm going to tiptoe around it. The whole sexual.
0: Uh, yeah. My mama watches this. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hey, Margaret. <laughs> yeah. Wolf, we'll, we'll, <laughs> it, it won't be like that,
2: but that part of recovery, you know, we, it's in the book. We talk about it uh, in the book and stuff. And it's, um it's a big part of a lot of people's recovery is, is doing that inventory, you know, of where I've done wrong. Yes. Where have I not been faithful, truthful? Where have I created fear in people? And that is certainly true in my own backstory and been willing to make amends for some of those things, you know. So that's part of the journey.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty confident that the next few people that get sober around here are also going to have sexual misconduct in their <laughs>
2: It ain't gonna stop. <laughs> <laughs> they're leaving the hotel it's right checking, now
1: as we speak. It's, they're checking out. It's checkout time. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> another
2: another reason I thought about it. I was like, "You're
0: yeah. exactly right." It's
2: Ten o'clock, eleven o'clock usually checkout. You might be able to get it at two o'clock.
0: Trying to get that late checkout. Late, yeah.
2: yeah where am I going to go? A lot of times, it's not going to
0: go well for you if you do that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I remember being stuck in this one motel and the manager came by and I was like, Can I can I get a late checkout? And she's looking around and she sees the syringes and I'm like, I've got diabetes.
2: (laughs) I I don't think she (laughs) believes. There are bunches of needles around here. Somebody told me back there eating a Bad case bag of, bad of sugar. Abuse. I mean, someone, someone told me you can go through the pharmacy drive-through and just ask for syringes. They'll give them to you. I was like, oh great, go through. And I was like, hi, I just need to, some of those syringes, you know, for like diabetes or whatever. He was like, really? I said, yeah. He said, what kind of insulin do you use? <laughs> Boy, I was like, right, let me check. Brown? I'll be the a- liquid kind. <laughs> we'll get back with you on yeah. on that one. I'm not real sure. Boy,
0: look, Del- I had a diabetic, Deluxe. I had a diabetic cat in real life What? Uh, for real. I had a diabetic cat <laughs> think and down. trigger and <laughs> trigger was insulin dependent. I'm, this is Usually, a true
2: story. Cat was, <laughs> look, trigger. trigger. Got it.
0: Was the, my, I was able to stay stocked up on mm. clean syringes because of trigger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a true
1: story. Oh, I got you, got you. Because Trigger,
0: has Trigger Hassan, <laughs> the Walgreens. Ew, Ooh, even man. when Trigger passed. The People, links oh, will go to. <laughs> trigger had long Trigger's since departed. <laughs> <Trigger>. <laughs> oh, but, but no, yeah. Maybe not make a reel out of that in parse.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just one of the many stories that we can but, tell of some crazy ass yeah. shit, stuff that, you know, just goes on. and. And the
0: creativity, you know,
2: if we a work creative bunch, but work and
0: effort it takes to use drugs <laughs> like we did. If I'd only done that to something good, ma- yeah. But look, here's the thing: I might not have learned that lesson, right? And I might not be able to share today with somebody who's doing equally creative things to right. you know, persist in their misery, and I can relate to them, right?
1: right. Absolutely. I would have never. I would have never done anything like this in active addiction. I just like this. This is a lot of work. It's a lot of freaking time up here. It's a lot of work. There's no way that I would have had the patience or, or anything to do that. Had I not gone through every little brick wall that I went through as again, as a result of my own poor life decisions, I can't blame that on anyone else other than myself. But had I not gone through all of those experiences, Uh, You know, the negative, difficult experiences, I wouldn't have ever gotten to a place where I could invest time in something that's worthwhile and 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 helpful to not only myself, but many other people as well. I would have never gotten there had I not hit my head.
0: And what a beautiful point you make about as a result of your own poor decisions. Oh, yeah. When when I was able to look myself in the face and say, you landed here because of your decisions. No one else's. No one else's you know, guaranteed you only are in this predicament because of your decisions and your mm-hmm. life choices. And there's power there because if I can choose, if my choices can get me here, perhaps my choices can get me out of here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it takes, it takes a choice in order to, you know, but again, we can't do this on our own. I, no. excuse me, I can't do this on my own. I have to have a, a myriad of individuals to, and I have in in the past that, that reached out and, and have helped me. So, you know, yes, our, our decisions got us where we were. Yes. Our decisions can put us on the right path, but ultimately if you're anything like me, if you're the drug addict and alcoholic that I am, then you're going to need help and and you can't, I can't do this on my own. Right. And that's where the program really comes in and, and, and fellowship in, in all programs and and walks really really plays a a significant role in in long-term sobriety and the ability to achieve that i especially
2: young kids i don't know how many people are you know listening or young kids in their early 20s whatever it is you know if you have come into the into a into recovery in some aspect of your life whatever you know get it while you're young you know that's <clears throat> so many people myself included, wait until they're later on in life to admit that, man, I got a problem. I need to do something. And, you know, if you're young and haven't maybe had to suffer so many consequences, financial consequences, I myself, financial consequences, you know, relationship consequences, just stuff like that. If you haven't had to experience that yet, you've got so many more years to, to, build up everything that you think you probably need or want in life and, and do it in recovery.
0: Well, it's like saving and in compound interest. You know, if you start young,
2: you can, yeah, you'll have more. That? Yeah. What was, <laughs> yeah, And you know, the, you mentioned your, your mom, and my parents taught me how to do those things growing up and it was not their They taught me what to do right from wrong. Yet my decisions my selfish, self-centeredness, little ways, are what got me. I'm familiar. In those, in those things.
0: <laughs> I'm familiar with the practice. No, For sure.
2: Really? <laughs> Departure from what dear old dad would have had me do. Uh, so yeah. If I could go back, you know, my dad would tell me, he'd, he'd say, you know, just listen to what I'm telling you. I'm always right. And, of course, when someone tells you that, they're like,
0: Yeah, You know, my, my only, the only thing I would add to that is if you're young and, you know, I, I first got sober when I was real young, I was still a teenager and I had not yet developed full on physical addiction to anything. So if you're young and you're kinda, Mm -hmm. you've got those tendencies, my hope for you is that If you don't really buy into the recovery program when you're real young, like truly buy into it, then I hope that you run off real fast and get physically addicted to something. (laughs) Don't die or hurt anybody else, but suffer the consequences of actual physical addiction expediently because it will, it will motivate you. Absolutely. There is something that we all wish to avoid about being dope sick Mm. and, or you know, coming off opiates, you know, makes you physically feel awful, but coming off of like meth makes you feel mentally awful. Mm-hmm. Like it does something to your brain that is not desirable.
1: Yeah, no, it's not fun.
0: <laughs> so I I, you know, go on out there. <laughs> if if you're not going to buy into what we're selling,
2: then hurry up and get on some. Sometimes you have yeah. to get out of people's ways so they can...
0: Yeah, l- let them screw up, scrape their knees a little bit.
2: Reach that bottom. Absolutely. And just hope possible. they don't die. Hope you don't die in the meantime. Right. Or hurt someone else. Or hurt someone else, mm-hmm. yeah. I certainly am, have been on you know a path before, and I'm blessed not to have oh done some... Aren't we all? But
0: you know that option is always out there. I mean, literally every one of my friends, it's a miracle they didn't kill somebody. Oh, yeah. Because we all drove when we shouldn't have. Oh. And we all did dumb shit. Yeah. It's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's crazy. I mean, using the drugs in the first place, I mean, it's a miracle we didn't kill ourselves, but yeah, like everybody in my orbit should be grateful that they're not in prison for having killed somebody driving to the store
2: to get their pack of times and polar (laughs) power. The other thing Daniel was talking about was that. The isolation, the loneliness, like sitting outside just by yourself, that whole feeling of isolation, you know, that's, that's where it would lead me by myself. I don't want anybody around. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody, you know, that whole feeling of, I don't want to be alone, but leave me alone. Yeah. That is an awful mindset. That self prison you built. I hate you. Don't leave me. I hate figuring that out. Why Why do I not want to be by myself, but I don't want get, get away from me?
1: And then nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> no, sure. And then I resented them for not wanting to be around me. Well, I mean, we're not exactly wholesome.
2: I <laughs> can't imagine why. I, I haven't showered in, I don't know, a week, so I can't imagine why you—
0: and then the only people that are around us are as sick as we are. Yeah. And Sounds nothing right. good is gonna come of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, we are we're about five minutes away from the the uh, the completion of the episode. You wanna hop on our questions?
0: Yes, here we go. Are you ready? Sure. Hard hidden.
1: Okay.
2: What do you do poorly in your recovery? Consistency with with meetings. Consistency with reading the book. Consistency with calling my sponsor is probably three of the top things. Okay. All right. Flip side. Yeah. What do you do well in your recovery? Yeah. I read meditation. Make sure I start my day with some kind of spiritual connection with God, whether it's reading something in the mornings, quietly meditating in the mornings, asking God to guide me and my what would He have me do that day? Thy will, not mine be done, is the best prayer for me in the morning times and the third step prayer, obviously, but God, what would you have me do? Perfect. And I put myself out there, you know,
0: I look, when you come back in a year and we ask you what you've done poorly and what you've <laughs> done well, we hope that you draw on your answers from today. And you're saying, you know what? I admitted that I do this poorly and I'll yeah. do it better tomorrow. Absolutely. I'll have a better report. then. There we go.
2: You'll have new things that you do poorly. I will. I love it. I love it. And you guys are blessed. Blessing to everybody for doing oh, this. Very so sweet. Thank you. You're kind for putting this together. And it's great to be a Look,
0: part. We of appreciate something. everybody that takes time out of their day oh my God, to come absolutely. do this. Really. I mean, otherwise people would just be left listening to us all day. I mean, right. That's good. Thank That's you guys. A drag.
2: <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> and awesome. to everyone listening, just hang in there, hang in there. Do not give up. Absolutely. Uh, reach out. You know, you're worth it. That's our worth. Thing. It. And if no one's told you today that they love you, the three guys sitting in this
1: room. We love you and we want you to be well. Absolutely. We All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Episode 70 in the books. There Episode 70 in the books. Proud to be a part. Thanks, brother. Thanks. We'll see you guys All next right. week.